Welcome back. It's time to swim out into the sea of ideas and see if we can't catch that sales pipeline as it starts to curl up over the horizon there with the uh, the man who seems to be everywhere today here, Matt Hines. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting uh, I'm getting sore from these headphones having to wear these. Uh, <laughs> it's a little overexposure on Funnel Media Radio Network today. Little inside uh, fun. Little inside joke, but uh, he was on a program just before this on uh, with uh, CRM uh, Radio with the good folks at Goldmine. Paul Peterson at Goldmine had him on. I think they're trying to tap into uh, the Matt Hines massive audience here, uh, as well as learn from the master uh, guru on uh, sales and marketing alignment here. I thought that was interesting. Uh, it was fun. It was a good conversation. You know, I think uh, it's it's always fun to talk to people that are from technology companies and talk as little about the technology as possible. Right? Yeah, I, right. You know, we all often agree that, you know, technology is not your strategy. The strategy is your strategy and technology is there to implement uh, and augment your strategy. And I think it's important to keep that uh, in mind. So, uh, well, welcome, everyone, to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Really happy that you're here. If you're listening to us live during your workday on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thank you for joining us. Uh, there are several of you that we hear from every week that we know join us live, so I appreciate you doing that. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, thanks so much for subscribing. Our numbers continue to grow, and it's very exciting and humbling to see. So if you'd like to continue to receive new episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio, you can find them at salespipelineradio.com or anywhere fine podcasts are available and every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, past, present, future, available at salespipelineradio.com. We're featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing each week. Today is no different very excited to have with us the VP of Marketing, the reasonably new VP of Marketing uh, at PandaDoc, Sean Herring. And uh, Sean has been in the B2B industry for a very long time and uh, has spent quite a bit of time at Exact Target uh, before, uh, while it was uh, growing and uh, before it was uh, bought by Salesforce. And Sean, I think my first question for you is actually maybe not about uh, B2B marketing. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Indiana basketball. Now, I'm looking at the standings in the Big Ten. And I see uh, Paul's Paul's alma mater, Minnesota, kind of in the middle. I'm used to seeing, you know, the team featured in Hoosiers a little higher in the standings. Can you give us a sense for what's going on this year? Uh, well, Matt, I'll have to say I'm used to seeing the standings a little bit differently myself. <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, I'll have to leave it at no comment for this year. Let's just pretend <laughs> it's a rebuilding year. Uh, that's fine. Well, usually, um, so I, you know, I went to the University of Washington from a, as a basketball school. Um, nine years out of ten, we are also in said rebuilding year. Um, so it's just, it's never really usually worked out this year. My Huskies are actually doing okay. Uh, they've only lost one or two games in Pac-12 play, and um, you know we'll see what happens come tournament time. But uh, really appreciate you joining the show today. Um, excited to have you on. And uh, you know, full disclosure, you know, we are not just a fan of PandaDoc. We are a happy customer of PandaDoc as well. It is also it is. Really improved just the uh, the professionalism of our uh, of our pro- proposal efforts and you know I think I want to talk about what that means in terms of sort of you know not just sort of streamlining processes but also you know the combination of process and design um, and how you're thinking about that sort of fairly new to PandaDoc so you know as a as a as a new head of marketing at a startup there's a thousand things to focus on. What are the places where you try to look at first when you're joining a new company? What are the priorities that you think are most important to drive some wins as a new head of marketing? Yeah, that's um, that's something I've been really focused on. I've been in uh, this role for about six weeks now. And my statement going through the interview process was I, my mantra is I want to come in and make sure I don't screw anything up. So let's find out what's working really well. 
and let's double down and figure out how do we improve that. And then let's figure out what's causing way too many issues. And usually those, those two questions polarize people pretty quickly. And you can trim the tree pretty quick uh, mm-hmm. on where we should focus, where we shouldn't focus. And there's a lot of stuff in the middle. But what I re- I've really tried to focus on is where do we already have a strength that we could leverage if we just had a little bit more focus? Talking to me on Sales Pipeline Radio with Sean Herring. He's the new VP of Marketing at PandaDoc. And and I know there's always sort of a balance between, you know, I I appreciate you mentioning sort of, you know, not, you know, coming in and sort of necessarily changing things by default. But, you know, I I also think like in early stage companies, you know, they don't often starve, they drown. There's a thousand things to look at, right? And so as you think about the brand, you think about awareness, you think about leads, you think about supporting the sales team, you think about sort of future opportunities. Um, So what, you know, what, you know, as you look into the future, like what are, how do you think about those different priorities? And how does it, how does a startup, you know, in a marketing environment balance sort of traditional awareness, sort of brand goals with really driving measurable pipeline as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Usually I'm, I'm separating brand and demand. Those are the two major components that I consider um, in the marketing mix, if you will. And what Pantstock has done a great job is really building a demand funnel that is uh, pretty streamlined and pretty effective. Uh, what I've been focused on in the first six weeks, as well as leading up to joining Pantstock, is trying to understand where is all the revenue coming from? What is the ideal customer profile? Like the, just the traditional foundational items. And I get less concerned with leads. I get less concerned with MQLs. And I really get focused on pipeline mm-hmm. and then pipeline to close. And so I really focus on that area of where does sales pick up, where marketing is, is passing, passing over, and what works really, really well there. And then I focus backwards to what are those MQLs that are creating that pipeline? And then where are those MQLs coming from? So it's really kind of a diagnosis process of when we get closed deals and we get good pipeline, how are we getting that there? And that's where we should really consider focusing in. And then other areas, I look at the spend and I look at return on where we're seeing certain spend or even the resources allocated. And I ask, you know, what if we turn this off? Would that have a significant impact? And just asking sometimes those extreme questions um, on both ends, it, it shakes people loose a little bit to say, well, it might not hurt as bad if we did this. Uh, and really, it's been all about middle of the funnel to start understanding it. And then I jump right to the top of the funnel and start looking at what are those levers we can play with. And so with us, it's been a lot about the website. It's not it's not uh, surprising to hear you talk about, you know, marketing as a revenue responsible unit and really focusing on, you know, sort of focusing on sales goals um, and working backwards. Talk about what that means in terms of the relationship you need to have with your counterpart in sales. What is what are your priorities as a new VP of marketing in terms of building that relationship between sales and marketing? And, and what are some of the priorities that you recommend others think about as well to to improve their relationship between sales and marketing? Yeah, I've learned from some great people in my career, and I think the biggest thing is we're in lockstep together from sales and marketing to even our success team that deals with customers. Anybody that has a customer-facing role, we have to be aligned on what's extremely important and successful for all of us across the board. And a mantra I took early on, um, actually, when you mentioned exact target when I was there, it's kind of like the sales number is our number. It's just a matter of how we're helping them hit it. And that's the kind of mentality that the marketing team needs to have in order to have a a true 
partnership with sales. And it's not a handoff scenario. I think what I've also noticed is a lot of teams do these very siloed handoff approaches and what gathers respect from those that are on the front line dealing with customers and prospects is more of a follow through. How is marketing ensuring not just setting up a lead or not just setting up an MQL, but truly following through and making sure what is coming through is getting the most support and helping the most uh, as it continues through the pipeline. And that's the biggest thing is talking to sales and constantly, whether it's Slack, whether it's meetings, whether it's initiatives that are cross-functional, constantly having a conversation that all points towards pipeline because that's kind of the central aggregation point where marketing and sales can agree, like this is extremely important that we get this number right. How we do it is up to, you know, sales are going to develop their own, but marketing on our end at PandaDoc has a, a large responsibility for building the pipeline. So we watch that number like a hawk. And I think that, that garners a lot of respect from those that have to then manage that pipeline to close. Love it. I'm talking on Sales Pipeline Radio today with Sean Herring. He's the VP of Marketing at PandaDoc. And PandaDoc, like I said, is, is, a, is a product that we use and love. And it is one of, what, 7,000 sales and marketing technology tools out there. How do you think about competitive landscape? Not only in terms of the category you're in, but just competing in the noise of all the MarTech tools that are trying to convince buyers that you can't live without them. How do you think about that from a competition and from an industry noise perspective? Uh, that has been a, a problem I've been trying to solve for the last, I'll say, since I joined Exact Target <laughs> about 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the standing out, but I, honestly what I've noticed is it's, it's speaking down to the element of who do you think you're going to help the most. And this ideal customer profile that you develop as a company and you start to go after, um, I, I've considered it kind of a drafting technique. If you can do really well for a certain segment that you've identified has a great LTV, um, that has really high NPS, that feels like they're successful and you're successful, if you do things right for them, then there's a ripple effect and every, everyone else will draft off of that because they'll see the success. And for us, the focal point has been by a segment. So not necessarily industry, but what we've had some really good success with is smaller sales teams or smaller organizations or even those organizations that are in challenger mode that are really pushing hard and working their way up against, you know, those bigger, you know, the David and Goliath type of scenario. And so what we've seen is our positioning and our targeting, we're getting really, really, really good at targeting a specific segment of the market and doing well by them. And what happens is there's ripple effects of maybe there's a larger company out there that has a larger sales team that wants to be a little bit more aggressive or wants to just get out of the norm of I've got this, everybody's got this thing in their stack and they're playing it safe. And so what we found is that helps considerably. And the more we focused, the more that, that kind of ripple effect um, has happened where we've seen a lot more interest from more enterprise level clients, as well as even some smaller ones that are coming in that are a little bit more aggressive on their end. We're kind of shooting for that SMB and small mid-market size. And it just seems to be that sweet spot where we get access to both if we just do right by our ideal customer profile. 
And that can be a hard thing for companies to do, right? I mean, it's one thing to sit and say, okay, we've got our personas documented, we've got a sense for who we want to sell to. But then when the rubber meets the road, you know, you start saying, boy, we want to hit our numbers. Should we go outside of that? And a big customer comes by and says, we'd like to work with you, but we need you to make these couple changes to the product. How, how just culturally do you help a company stay disciplined and focused um, and to do the right things when you're out on the battlefield trying to get the job done? Yeah, that's, that's been interesting. So at PandaDoc, what I've noticed in the short time that I've been here, very customer-centric, very customer-focused and constantly wanting to have a pulse on how the customers are engaging, using, and benefiting from our, tool, like our software and our platform. But also, we're, we're building up teams that are, are customer-facing, not just prospect-facing, to support that longevity because we know we're just at the starting point of our relationship with them because we do offer multiple options for people to engage with, they might just come to us for e-signature and then realize that there is a whole other side of creating, sending, and tracking proposals. And we can just start by really focusing in on that, that first sweet spot where they have the pain. And I said earlier, we have a, a pretty good inbound funnel. We've done really well from an SEO perspective um, on the demand side where we get things pulled in it's a matter of us showing that we can we can serve your needs to the to the micro level, and what's what I've found very interesting on the customer customer centricity is from the CEO um, and, and from the co-founders all the way down. There's a constant communication on what's important, and we use OKRs and we use different mechanisms and methodologies to make that happen. But in reality, it's the culture has been about learning. And it's okay to make a mistake if you're doing it for the right reason. You know, if you're doing it to help a customer, it's okay to make a mistake, apologize and move on and try to help, you know, get out of that situation, but have fun with it as well. And so what I've noticed is the culture has been really good about embracing a, not just customer-centric mentality, but a focused mentality of, is that really going to help us move the needle or is that just going to distract us? And I, you see decisions being made very quickly because from leadership down, they've made it very clear they want to empower people to the fullest, but you're always thinking about what benefits the customer the most. Mm -hmm. If that's your answer as to why you made a decision, um, then I've noticed here we really embrace that and figure out how to, how to support it. In any that's great. Possible. That's awesome. We're going to have to take a quick break and pay some bills. We'll be back more with proud Indiana grad and VP of marketing at PandaDoc, Sean Herring. Uh, we'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. The way we do business is advancing faster than ever before. Yet amongst the disruptions, there's one pillar that stays standing through it all, the power of a relationship. Relationships are at the core of everything. So how are today's organizations developing, nurturing, and leveraging them to drive success? Join Matt Hines and Sigster's VP of Marketing, Justin Keller, for the on-demand webinar, The State of Relationship Marketing, and learn how your team can bridge the gaps between relationships and revenue. Listen now at HinesMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. Okay, let's pick it back up with our uh, our college basketball uh, fans here. And before we do, I have to correct the record. I, I just can't let it slide. You said my uh, my uh, that I'm an alumni of Minnesota. I'm actually went to oh. Michigan. Wolverines eat gophers for lunch. 
I did get that wrong. I apologize. Yeah, no. <laughs> Born I, in uh, Minnesota, but went to Michigan. Yes, I, I know how you can confuse it here. No, it's terrible. It's, that, 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 you know, I'm not a good Midwesterner if I don't uh, recognize the different different M's. I apologize for that. <laughs> That's right. uh, well, uh, we got a lot of great guests coming up in the in future episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio. If you are new to listening or just want to know what's coming up, we got some exciting stuff. Uh, next week, we're going to feature Derek Slayton. He is the CMO of Terminus, and uh, we've just together completed some really interesting research on the state of account-based marketing. We've got some really interesting insights that I think you're going to want to see. Uh, first podcast, uh, first episode of March, we're going to have Eli Cohen. He is the CEO of Saleshood. We're going to be talking about his new book and talk about what profitable, scalable sales enablement looks like. And speaking of sales and ABM, Jamie Shanks, the author of the new book, Spear Selling, uh, which is all about account-based sales development, uh, will be joining the joining the show as well. But today we've got a lot more with Sean Herring. He's the VP of Marketing at PandaDoc. And if you look at your experience, Sean, I mean, you've You've been running marketing in a number of organizations in your career, and it strikes me the, just the diversity of companies and industries you've worked in. I mean, you've you've been in everything from sort of automobile repair to pharmaceuticals and biotech, and then obviously a lot of time in marketing technology and SaaS. Are, what are some of the things that you were able to take from some of your sort of earlier sort of non-tech background that has really served you well and helped differentiate your leadership and style in the MarTech and SaaS space? That's a great one. I think it's a great question because I've, I've noticed I've pulled on that the, the older I'm getting. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So um, this path that you see, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, um, it's led me into marketing and I've stuck there for the last – 15-ish years. And what's been interesting in that journey is I've been able to work for some very large companies. Um, as an employee, I've been able to work as, as an employee or founder of very small companies. And I've been able to work with larger organizations as well as scale-ups as either a consultant or employee. And seeing all that diversity, uh, I've really started to appreciate the surroundings of marketing as much as the marketing team itself. And I can go back to when I worked in the healthcare organization. It was a very large marketing organization. It was very uh, process-oriented and a lot of um, uh, decision-making made by committees. And you just notice how slow things go, but how deliberate they are. And it's not bad. It's just different depending on what that market needs and what that company needs. And when you're making decisions that have have a impact for years to come, it makes sense to kind of take your time and think more methodically. But then I started to realize that I was in this bubble and I was in this bubble of healthcare as well as in this bubble of a very large company within healthcare. And uh, maybe I was missing out on how other people did things. And so I started looking at startups. I started looking at smaller scale-up organizations that weren't in the billions, but maybe in the 100 million or 10 or 50 million range. And what I noticed was the intentionality was the same, uh, but really how the marketing team fits in and plays well with others was the crucial part of success in any org. And it sounds simple and it sounds like, yeah, like everybody knows that. But when you're going from a company where marketing is super siloed and rarely talks to anybody but themselves to an organization where marketing is kind of that backbone and I'll use Exact Target as a great example. Um, I met a ton of intelligent people um, that were very, very passionate about what they do across the entire organization. And everybody's job in marketing, you know, we were constantly working with other teams. 
and you have that full appreciation of when an org structures itself to really embrace marketing and, and hold it as a central part, part of what they're doing versus a siloed kind of offshoot. Um, I've really pulled that in and said, what kind of organization do I want to work in? And so when I look at different organizations, that's one thing I look at is how is marketing structured? What is the dependency on marketing and what is marketing's dependency on the org? But then I also look at what do we, you know, what do I want a team to look like? What would I feel is successful? And what would I be proud to have as, you know, a team to point at and say, this group of people um, have killed it for the last year or two years and look at the accomplishments. So those are the things that I've been taking throughout my career is the environment that you're within, yeah, uh, the leadership, the leadership's views. You know, if you're a founder, everything is sales. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you want to be the head of marketing or you want to be the head of support or product, like you're in a sales position if you're starting up a company. And if you can have that mentality as you go through like a scale-up phase, I became very humbled when I worked for smaller companies and realizing how little I knew about all the other facets until I had to do them. And so now I feel like I'm at that point in my career where I can kind of put all of those things together and have a lot of empathy for other parts of the organization, as well as can jump in and say like, hey, I, I think we can help, not just I, I feel where you're at, but I think we can help with what you're doing by having A, B, and C in place. So those are bigger things that I've noticed that I've, I've kept pulling from in my experience that I'm applying even now at PandaDoc. Um, I'm just I c continuously learning and even going back to previous colleagues and saying, hey, how, how have things changed? What are you seeing now? Um, I'm really... I'm really big on pulling from others' experience and, and outside-in type of methodology. Love it. We just got a couple more minutes here with Sean Herring, the VP of Marketing at PandaDoc. And, you know, I, I love hearing you talk about sort of, you know, helping to get marketing organizations that sometimes work in silos to work together. So you've got the opposite opportunity. You know, you own a lot of those organizations today in your role at PandaDoc, demand gen, product, brand, communication, sales development. What are some of the keys for you to making sure that those teams work in concert in an integrated way in a, you know, in a one plus one equals three kind of situation? Uh, it's it's it genuinely comes from learning from the best um, that I've been able to work with in the past and it's focus and communication. It's those two things where if I can say these are the top three things we have to get done as a team, and I can say that and everybody understands the what as well as the why, and then we are communicating and iterating on that in a very specific way, whether it's meetings or Slack or it's a project update, you know, I think that's been the biggest thing is making sure that the leaders are bought in see the why, not just what they have to do, but why they have to do it so that they can communicate that down to their teams, and then constantly pointing to numbers. Mm -hmm. I think that's been the other thing, is I've got dashboards on a daily basis. We're congratulating each other or looking at different milestones that we're hitting. And so everybody's got that myopic view, very, very myopic view on what's our pipeline look like and what's helping it get bigger or what's not helping it and where should we focus. And so that focus part and constant communication has been one that uh, I, I can't speak high enough to, that I'm, I'm really pushing myself to, to continuously improve upon role after role and year after year. Got it. Last question for you before we have to wrap up. You know, who are some of the people that in your career and your professional development have been really influential? They could be authors, professors, mentors, managers, who are maybe one or two people that you'd like to call out that have been really influential to you that you might recommend other people check out as well. 
Oh yeah, um, I, I I could go on for another half an hour about this one because I got the chance to work with some very intelligent people. Tim Kopp, um, the the former CMO of Exact Target, mentor as well as um, just amazing person all around. Kyle Lacey, these could be all names that you probably hmm. have heard before. Kyle Lacey, you got to work with him and Jeff Roars at Exact Target as well. Um, just amazing people. Todd Capone, actually, he was at uh, at, at Exact Target and, and Salesforce. He has written his own book, so he is actually an author. Um, and he's got a book out about uh, the transparency sale. And honestly, I think that's a book for marketers as much as it is for sales. Uh, and I think I'd wrap it up with um, two individuals that I got to work to, with recently that I'm really, really impressive was Miles Klieger. Um, he, uh, he's the president over at Braze, uh, formerly AppBoy, and uh, a newly appointed um, CRO at Braze is uh, Daniel Head. Um, I just had a tremendous amount of respect for the way they focus their teams and their, their thought processes about how they do things. So that's just a small group of people that I would say have influenced me in a very positive way. That's a great list. Thank you for that. And it's a, uh, it is amazing. There are certain companies that seem to uh, the alumni network from them as, as they scatter into other roles. It just it becomes very clear why the company they came from uh, was so successful. I think uh, you know Eloquest stands out to me as an example of that. Um, and Exact Target clearly with the the uh, skill set and the uh, sort of the the legacy impact of the people that have, were there and that continue to drive value in all the organizations they're at next. Well, really appreciate you joining us today on Sales Five. I've uh, been very happy to to have you joining us. And if you'd like to hear more from Sean, the VP of Marketing at PandaDoc, uh, you can check him out on demand at salespipelineradio.com. Here in a couple of days, we'll also have a summary of this conversation up on HeinzMarketing.com here in about a week, uh, highlighting not only highlights from this conversation, but also links to some of the people and, uh, and messages and documents and other materials that uh, we talked about today. That's all we have time for today. we got a lot of great content coming up in the next few weeks for my great producer Paul. This is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you. 